Thanks for checking out the Long and Short of It podcast. You can find us on all good podcast platforms. Please consider following or subscribing. We hope you enjoy the show. Hello and welcome to the Long and Short of It, the podcast where we discuss each of the games on the Metacritic Top 100 list. I'm Dan and I'm joined by... I'm Lawrence, welcome to the podcast. Welcome to a brand new episode. Um, it's been some time, how have you been? Brand new season, season... Uh, do you want to call it season two? No, I think it'll get confusing. No, it's not, it's not season, it's just a brand new episode, alright, listeners, it's just... New episode, not new season or series. God's sake. Stop it. But yes, I'm quite well. Are you well? Have you enjoyed your break? I am well. Have you enjoyed your break? Yeah. Um. I don't really know what I've done. How long has it been? It's been about a month, isn't no, it, since yeah, we recorded yeah. the, the catch-up episode with the the ranking of the first 50, which was... Uh, I think that episode came in at about two and a half hours, but I think we were recording that for about three and a half, weren't we? It was... Uh, yeah. It was a long episode, but no, I've been good just uh, getting on with work, really. Just been quite busy. I'm also running a half marathon on Sunday, so I've been training for that. Um, right. So you Are might... you ready? No, no, I'm not feeling ready at all. Uh, I don't think I've trained <laughs> enough, to be honest with you. But Have you, have you done any uh, half marathons in practice? No, no, I have not. Uh, I've also not run for about a week and a half, so... Um, you might have to host the next episode on your own because I might just pass away halfway through. Um, but small call to action: if anyone listening uh, fancies donating, I'm doing the half uh, the the Royal Parks Half Marathon in London uh, for spinal research. So I've I've got a uh, a link to the, uh, the the Virgin Money Just Giving page, um, and it's it's on our Twitter. So if if you do fancy having a look or donating or sharing, it would be much appreciated. Uh, donate to my my passing away in the park in London, but yeah, just just getting ready for that. Really, how about you? What have you been doing? Um, well, I've had a few breaks within this uh, month, so I do feel a bit refreshed. You went to go see I some think, pigs, um, didn't you? Yeah, I went to stay on a, a farm. That was fun, and then I went for a short break. Met up with a friend that I used to work with, and um, we had some drinks and we did some walking. That was fun as well. Um, yeah, so I feel a bit more alive than I did before we before we uh, took our break. I feel I a little less it. alive, to be honest with you. But Really? Yeah, I, I feel quite tired at the moment. But it's all good. It, it is what it is. We move. Yeah, anyway, on to... So if you would cast your mind back to the previous episode before our ranking... We covered Metal Gear Solid 3 and we said we would come back with a vengeance with Metal Gear Solid 4. So here we are today to discuss Metal Gear Solid 4. It is number 74 on the Metacritic list. It came out in 2008 for the PlayStation 3 and it is only available on the PlayStation 3. It has a meta score of 94 out of 100. Um... So, what's your history with this game? I I didn't play this game until I got my PS3, which I got when I was at uni when I lived with you, um, which was in 2012, I think I got it. So, I didn't know too much about this game beforehand. I think I'd maybe watched a friend play through a little bit of it, 
not long after it came out, perhaps. But I didn't know too much. And I think I think you and me were having a conversation, maybe in first year, um, where I was saying, oh, it would be really good if they, they remade Metal Gear Solid 1 and you could go to Shadow Moses with the current graphics um, of today. And you were like, well, they did that in MGS4. And I was like, what? And uh, I think you showed me. And then, yeah, when I got my PS3, I, I eventually got it and played through it. And I've said a few times on this podcast, it, it isn't my favourite MGS game. Um, I'm not a huge fan of it. I think my position on it slightly changed after this playthrough. But, yeah. Yeah, I, so, it sounded to me like you had a bit more of a positive experience than you thought you would. Yeah, I think so. It's it's a funny game, and it's it's a very odd game in, in the series, in my opinion. But I enjoyed it this time around more than I thought I would, but that doesn't mean to say I think it's a great game, if that makes sense. Fair enough. Um, What about you? So I played this, I don't know if it it probably was day of release. I would have picked it up. I remember putting it into my PS3, having the very, very long install, which isn't there anymore. No, it's not, is Um, it? No, they, they, they patched that out. So they had a huge install back then and it took hours so i was just in the background had snake smoking um, cigarettes. smoking and then putting his cigarette away and then getting it out again smoking and yeah backwards and forwards but i was very very excited um and i was pretty blown away in 2008 because even even today i feel confident saying that that uh, Nothing else at the time looked like this. And and it still looks great now. It still looks fantastic now, I think. Um, I mean, maybe it could do with a resolution boost and yeah. a frame rate boost. But in terms of the detail that's that's on offer here... I mean, Snake's character model is so, so detailed. For an early PS3 um, game, it's impressive, isn't it? Yeah, it's really impressive. And, and I, I'd not, I've not played it in some years... I've completed it quite a few times before, yeah. Um, but I've not played it in some years. And sometimes when you remember something, you remember it looking better than it did. But I, I switched it on and I thought, wow, this game has really aged well. Um, so yeah, it's, it's um, I, I, I think you sent me a video for this one um, from someone that said that a lot of people view this as a as a if you view this game as an MGS game then you're not necessarily doing yourself any favours. But if you just view this as a game, then you might get more enjoyment out of this. Mm. And I kind of agree. I think if you go in there and you think, oh, this is going to be, I suppose, the MGS game to close all the other MGS games, it doesn't really work like that. And and it was never going to work like that. And I don't really know what people were expecting when they thought that. Um so, I do think this game gets a bit of a bad rap. Um, so, I think the first thing for us to talk about, to introduce the listeners to, is the world of Metal Gear Solid 4. Because the world this time is very, very different. I mean, it's surprising. I think there's six years passed since Metal Gear Solid 2, I think they say. Yeah, five or six. And yeah, and you, and you wouldn't think that looking at it. It looks like far more time has changed. So um, what strikes you about this world, this world of Metal Gear Solid 4? Well, war has changed is the uh, is, is the main takeaway, I feel. War has changed. 
Um, I love I love that line. It's it's the first line the of the delivery. game, isn't it? As well. Yeah. Um. Well, it's very much a continuation of where you left off in MGS two, and I think trying to describe the world and the plot of this game is difficult because it is so. I was a bit worried about the plot. A bit a bit of a bit of. I was thinking about this last night. I was thinking, how on earth? Yeah. It's, do we tackle the plot? It's difficult to explain. I mean, like you say, this is five or six years on from um, Sons of Liberty and the world has changed and that everything is kind of run by a war economy. And as long as there are wars going on in the world, then governments and private companies are being funded handsomely. And it's very much the case of war is now, well, war's always been a business, but it's even more so of a business now. And it's very much the case that in this world, soldiers and weapons are all controlled and they're all itemized and they're all, what's the word I'm looking for? They're all recorded and soldiers, nano machines control how they feel in battle and how they operate and the, the weapons that they can use and everything is micromanaged. And it's very much like a dystopian future. And you get that feeling just from watching the opening cutscenes. Because uh, I think there's about nine or so different cutscenes, aren't there, at the start of the game, which yeah. are like TV adverts or TV interviews or TV shows that show what the world really is like now. And it's very much kind of a. It's got a feel of like a dystopian Blade Runner kind of vibe about it, I think, even though it's not quite that far ahead in terms of the aesthetic of things it's very much this is a dystopian world now where everything is controlled where your government and different companies can big big brothers watching basically i'd I'd say is the is a good way of explaining it big brother's always there and big brother always knows what's going on and it's watching you yeah i think it makes a very strong first impression you've got those adverts as you say and i mean that's not typically how you start a game no by by putting these very almost some of them avant-garde adverts at the beginning of your game so immediately you know you're in for an interesting very avant-garde i'd say yeah and they do a nice job of setting up or setting the mood setting the table for what you're about to play and then you jump straight in and Snake's got this wonderful monologue over the scenes of war. And this is not the espionage that you're used to in Metal Gear Solid. This is not um, a snake jumping off the George Washington Bridge onto a tanker and uh, slowly infiltrating guard at a time to get to where he wants to be. This is not Snake jumping out of a plane and landing in the jungle. This is very, Chaos. very different. This is, yeah, this is Snake in a full-scale war. I mean, in some ways, you could say that this looks closer to something like Call of Duty than it does to Metal Gear Solid. But obviously, when you start playing the game and you start unpacking it, I think there's a lot more to it than that. But it can be played that um, way, though. It can, yeah. And it's a lot easier to play the game that way, I think, rather than sneaking around. It's a lot easier and more comfortable to play this game as a shooter rather than what the previous MGS games are, I'd say. Yeah, I mean, it 
it really gives you that option if you want to do it. So you can use a first person mode. Um, the only, the only I suppose, counterpoint to using a first person mode is um, that it slows the movement speed right down. But it is perfectly playable in this form. And I said to you, and I, and I, I think this is true. I think the representation of war in Act One, and we'll get to the fact that there are acts in this game. Um, the representation of war in Act 1, I think it does a far more um, satisfying job than any of the Call of Duty games because there's just a weight to it. Um, it's very unpredictable and every single time you, you, you work your way through those levels, things will play out differently um, because the AI is so diverse and it reacts really impressively to what you're doing. Um, so this isn't running through, getting a checkpoint, and then continuing on, avoiding grenades, and then pushing up like Call of Duty is. This is something very different. It's more and alive. I think the control scheme. Yeah. And, and there was something that I read as well um, about the control scheme, because obviously nowadays we're, we're used to this um, this kind of generalised control scheme where everything uses, uses the same controls, yeah. where it's always... Um, circle to crouch if you're playing on playstation and square to reload and um you use your your back shoulder buttons to shoot and aim so it's, it's basically the call of duty setup and all games have adopted this now whereas mgs4 challenges you to learn its control scheme and the fascinating thing i find about it is that i'm, I'm actually replaying it now so <laughs> i completed it on Big Boss Hard and I'm now playing it on Big Boss Extreme and I'm having a really enjoyable run through. But I'm you just you just discover moves that you didn't know were there. Um so this is a really deep system that they've got going on. Um so I'm gonna give you the impossible task and there's a reason I only set one minute for this because I feel like we could be here for half an hour discussing this plot and we'll just lose everyone. So Yeah. Can you give me the plot in one minute, starting from now? I'll do my best. So, like we say, this is a few years on from Sons of Liberty. Um, you meet and you play a solid snake in this game. However, he's vastly different to what he was in MGS 1 and 2. He's an old man, um, and this is because he has um, accelerated aging in his genes because he's a clone of Big Boss, who you played as in MGS 3. This game is effectively um, a hired hit from Colonel Campbell for Snake to go after Liquid Ocelot, who is Revolver Ocelot slash Liquid Snake from the previous games. Um, and Liquid Snake's thing in this game is that he's trying to take control of the Patriot systems, which the Patriots were the shadow organisation in the back in MGS2. Uh, he's trying to take over their systems to basically control all of the military and all of the soldiers in the world um, for his own means, uh, which he manages to to accomplish at the end of Act 3 uh, through having the remains of Big Boss, which you later find out is solid a snake. But, yeah, I, I don't really know how else to explain it than that without going into too much detail. It's very much the story of an old man who is no longer in the prime of his life, is no longer at the forefront of combat, and he's just trying to settle a score and save the world, although he's very much a, a defunct relic of the past, I suppose. 
And um, spoiler warning, but how does it end? How does the game end? Yeah. With um, Snake and Otacon destroying the Patriot system. Uh, do they destroy JD or GW? I think it's JD, isn't it? Um, and they... Ocelot. Yeah, it's, it's kind of it's kind of the whole thing, isn't it? Yeah. And it's, yeah. An Ocelot and Snake fighting on top of a huge warship called Outer Haven. Uh, and then you're finding out that Liquid Snake was... Liquid Snake died at the end of MGS1 and an Ocelot has been kind of having you on the whole time and it was always him and him and you were fighting to the same. Uh, I didn't I didn't really get that from it. I read something that course. said that that um it was it was Liquid who had assumed um Otacon's oh no, Ocelot's body and that in the last moments while you're fighting Ocelot gradually comes more and more out. So you see it in the stages of the battle, and by the end, he is Ocelot again. Mm. See, this is the problem with this game. It's so open-ended. and th- th- That's what I like about it. Like, I, I, I don't know if you've noticed this, but there are lots of videos on MGS4. There are lots of video videos on the MGS games. Yeah. And all the ones on MGS4 are really, really long. And I think that's because there is a hell of a lot to analyse in there. I mean, when we were talking about MGS3, actually the plot for that game is quite straightforward compared to the other MGS games, and there's not necessarily a lot to analyse. There's no. some interesting stuff with the Cold War um, and the dialogue being very, very good, which it is, but it's a vastly more straightforward game, and I think players are more likely to take similar things away from it, whereas I think MGS4... Is a very divisive game. Well, um, the, the thing with MGS4 is it's completely different to all of the others in the series because you and me were talking about it the other day. Hideo Kojima wanted to get out of Metal Gear Solid after MGS2, um, but he had to come back in for MGS3 and then he was receiving death threats and all this kind of stuff to do MGS4. And part of him, I think, was very much like, I just want to be done with this now, so I'm going to close off everything so that... Um, th- this story can't proceed any further but in doing so well Solid Snake story at least well, yeah Solid Snake story but in doing so it very much I don't know it it took the story down a lot of avenues that I just feel are a little bit bizarre and we can get into that more a little bit later but I mean the main point it's definitely bizarre yeah absolutely and you know it, it, it takes you down plot points that just didn't need a conclusion or didn't need to be linked at all. And the main one that I think of when I say that is that Sigint from MGS3 turns out to be the yeah. DARPA chief from MGS1. And the, the most bizarre one, and I've seen quite a few people talk about this on YouTube, is Paramedic from MGS3, who's like this young um, medic in her 20s who's really goofy and talks about movies and is very unprofessional and is just like a light-hearted comic relief turns out to be dr clark who does all of the tests on the genome soldiers and tests on frank yeager's body turning him into the the cyborg ninja and is basically somewhat of a war criminal and yeah those are just links that i don't think need to be made and the whole thing with no i agree the whole thing with psychomantis as well at the end of mgs1 his arc is very nice it's, it's, you know he's he's a bad person but he fights snake he loses and he uses his powers to help Snake, and it's like, I've just used my powers for good for the first time, and this feels nice. 
and then they bring him back in MGS4 to take over Screaming Mantis's body during the boss fight, and it seems but like... But also, the, the, the explanation for this is amazing. The explanation is she was, I, I don't even know, injected with with a Psycho Mantis's personality. Yeah, but it it's never so ever explains what, how or what went on. Yeah. And you're just supposed to accept it. The, I think it's, that's my main problem with MGS4 is it just tries to tries to link everything that doesn't need to be linked and tries to it just tries too hard to fan service everything. Everything has to be linked and everything has to have um, you know past in it that's from MGS1, 2, or 3, and it doesn't it doesn't need to be there. And a lot of people have said that this game's good, but the story starts to come apart in Act Three where you find Big Mama, who is Eva from MGS3, and she explains everything regarding Zero and the Patriots and these strange places that that the characters went. And it's just like, it didn't need to be like that. And, you know, I know you'll probably have a lot to say about the story art regarding Meryl and Johnny. It's, It's just so much of it is just bizarre and didn't need to be there and just adds a lot of fluff to the game. Arguably, it comes it becomes unravelled sooner than that. Again, depending on your takeaway from this, depending on how much it bothers you, because I think there'll be different amounts of, uh, of how much people are bothered by this. Yeah. I mean, there there are certain things in this story that do bother me, but there are some that uh, I mean, I I don't I know it's ridiculous that Sigin turns out to be the DARPA chief, and it's ridiculous that. Uh, paramedic turns out to be Dr. Clark but I just don't care it's, it's done in a throwaway line and it doesn't really bother me that much but um, I mean if you were a fan of MGS2 I mean we're a bit mixed on that as as if you've listened to our episode you would have heard um, MGS2 wrapped up Raiden's story really nicely and then MGS4 comes along and unravels that completely and says oh Raiden went off and there's another part of the story which we'll get to later, which is very frustrating to me. Um, so Act 1, I think, does a really good job of maintaining everything. And then from then onwards, it starts to unravel. But the one, the, the, the thing that I think you can separate this game into parts, I think actually Old Snake's story and the stuff surrounding that is really good and is really well told. I think... There are other stories, side stories, if you will, that go on at the same time that don't need to be there, that take these silly leaps. Um, and yeah, it could be called fan service or whatever, but they just don't need to be there. And I think the pure at its heart story that they tell is really interesting, but there's just a lot of, I said to you, there's just a lot of um, bloat to this game. Yeah, I, I think something else worth mentioning as well is that it it kind of screws up the whole lore of Metal Gear Solid and makes a load of stuff that made sense no longer make sense. Like the part at the end of the game, a post credit scene where Big Boss turns up with Zero. I think you and me both really like that scene. Um, and I, I really like Big Boss's character. And you said to me that you feel that if Solid Snake looks like what Big Boss looks like in throughout the game, people would have liked it a bit more because the, the look of snake yeah. in this game is just an old man with a moustache and I hate it. <laughs> I know that I know that you hate that, but, yeah. 
something that someone mentioned is that it's so weird that Big Boss turns up because in Metal Gear 1 and Metal Gear 2, spoilers for MGS5, but in MGS1, uh, Metal Gear 1 and Metal Gear 2 on the, on the NES and SNES or whatever it was on, Metal Gear 1, Solid Snake beats Big Boss, sets him on fire and he dies, and that's that. That later turns out to be Venom Snake from MGS5. Uh, so that isn't the real Big Boss. But then Metal Gear 2, Solid Snake beats Big Boss again, and that is the actual Big Boss. And he sets him on fire, and then Big Boss blows up. And <laughs> then Big Boss comes back at the end of MGS4, and he just looks normal. And apparently one of the explanations for They do for say it, that he's put together. Yeah, he's, there, there is a line where he says that he was put back together. He's put back together, and it's just like... Just just have it so that he was still dead. It's fine. And just have someone else come and explain all this stuff. It's, it, that's okay. It doesn't have to be Big Boss. But obviously, because Big Boss was such a, a popular character from MGS3, they wanted to I did to like the back. moment, though. And that's, I suppose that's an example of... If you get... This, uh, this is what I find... People get really caught up in the lore of Metal Gear Solid, yeah. but it's never been that great. I don't think it's ever been cohesive coherent there's always been these leaps there's always been retconning yeah i mean we talked about it in mgs2 i think part of the reason why mgs4 becomes so confusing is because mgs2 went off the rails yes big time <laughs> and and it it's hard to come back from that and yeah you can only backtrack so much yeah that's why i think it was an impossible task because I mean, I, I was I was trying to unravel the story in my head and I was thinking, well, what would be the answer? What would be the answer? And I don't think there is one. I don't think you can continue from MGS2's story, which people are asking for a, for a, a sequel to MGS2 specifically because they wanted to know what happened next. And I think it was an unwinnable situation. How do you carry on from that? Yeah. They'd already really... Basically, they'd had this twist, sort of twist ending with the Patriots. Oh, they died however many hundreds of years ago. <laughs> oh, dear. It takes me back to MGS2. Uh, and they had to find a way to make that work. And it's not always satisfying. I agree with you. I think, for me, the moment between Big Boss, Naked Snake and uh old snake is worth it um because it's a really quite poignant moment to end it on and i suppose that it depends how much you want to get caught up in the law because i like i said i i'm just not convinced that it was ever a cohesive sure. written story um and i think he's been retconning for far too long and i mean even stuff in MG, mgs1 retcon some of the stuff in um the original metal gear games so yeah I, I, it all depends on your mileage i suppose well it's, it's like i said in the mgs3 episode i think after mgs3 kojima actually really liked big boss's character and knew that at some point he'd have to turn him into a villain and i don't think he wanted to do that so i think him injecting Big Boss into the end of MGS4 was another way of turning it around to be like, actually, he wasn't that bad. You know, he isn't the villain as much as you might think he is. Yeah. Yeah, and I, I agree with that. I think 
it probably took Kojima by surprise and everyone else by surprise that Big Boss in MGS3, Naked Snake, was, was loved so much. And yeah. by many fans of the series, that's how to be the best game. Um, so, yeah. It's, and I, I also think that Kojima's always had a tendency to over-explain things throughout the series. Yeah, definitely. And... MGS4 is kind of just an extension of that and 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 don't get me wrong I'm not excusing this stuff because there's some stuff that I really don't I really frustrates me um I just think some of it I can I can um, you can get over you can accept yeah it doesn't doesn't bother me that that might bother other people yeah um okay so we we talked about with MGS3 already <laughs> 25 minutes in we talked about mgs3 and we talked about the the different style of gameplay we went from this urban warfare this kind of arcadey style that we had in mgs1 and mgs2 to the jungle warfare that we had in or guerrilla warfare that we had in mgs3 which was more slow paced more predatory and in mgs4 kojima turns it on his on its head again and you've got these war zones and we've kind of touched on it a bit, but these war zones really change everything because there are PMCs, um, basically small armies that are that are warring with local rebels, and this is all going on around you. So you're, if you're playing it stealthily, you're sneaking through these war zones where around you there are explosions, around you there are people shooting each other, there are people um being shot and kind of at times asking you to help yeah um and it's just really fascinating and and other games have kind of touched on it some of the Splinter Cell games have, have set the stealth missions during war zones but never I think to this level of success and I think particularly in Act 1 and 2 it's really a masterclass in gameplay and I love the gameplay of Act 1 and 2. I honestly would not change it for anything. I think it really strikes an, a, a, a really nice balance between... So you've got the more... The smaller, more... Um, I suppose... Curated levels of MGS 1, 2 and 3. But you've got more of the scale of MGS 5. You get this really nice balance in between. So you still get all the detail and all the really nicely detailed areas and some of these levels are full of detail um, but you get some of the openness that you get in MGS5 as well and I think that really benefits the gameplay I think with the exception of 5 the gameplay here is is the best it's ever been in MGS um, speaking of which on to our ever present feature gameplay is king um, so what do you do in this game What are what I suppose what are some of the things you can do what are some of the styles that you can play this game in well, like I said at the start, this game isn't as focused on stealth this time. So if you want to, and I'd say arguably it's easier to just go in all guns blazing, and that's a fine way to do it. You will get punished for doing that, though. Um, I know your first playthrough was a stealth playthrough, whereas I I still had a lot of my equipment from the last time I played through the game. So I had the Patriot and I had the Railgun from the start. So I was just going around mowing people down. But the problem with that style of gameplay, and I don't know if you're finding it now that you're doing a more lethal playthrough, is that snake stress meter will go up. And I had it a few times. I was in the middle of battle 
snake stress meter goes up to a certain point and then he gets so stressed that he throws up. Have you had that? I've not had it yet. No, Honestly, not yet. Like, I know it happens. I've, I've been surrounded like about it. four times in my playthrough. I was just going ballistic with a Patriot and then Snake would stop and then throw up because he was so stressed. Um, but I'd say that, that Full Frontal is the, the easier way to play this game just because of how much quicker it makes things. But obviously stealth is still there and there is a podcast that you can listen to on the internal iPod because there's an iPod in the game, because there are a lot of Apple products in this game, um, where you can listen to a podcast by some of the, um, I think it's some of the devs, or at least some of the people that are from the American team, saying that they suggest you play this game stealthily. Um, But yeah, there's numerous ways that you can play this game, very similarly to the way that you can play uh, MGS5. It, It is quite open, particularly in the first two chapters. Chapter three, no chapter four not really and chapter five is very much just a case if you've got a small amount of gameplay area and then you've got a boss and then that's it really um so yeah it's open to interpretation how you want to play this game and you can bend it to your own will i think well it sounds like um you played it very differently to me so my first run through was um no alerts no kills no continues and that was on Big Boss Hard. And then for this playthrough on Big Boss Extreme, I'm going for no alerts, no continues, just kills. But I'm still trying to keep it quiet. But just by opening it up to kills just massively increases the things you can do. Obviously, if you're going down the stealth route, there are plenty of things you can yeah, do as well. Yeah. Um, I mean, it's, it's, it's really surprising how much is in this game gameplay-wise. And... Some of the things in there, I, I just, I, I find that there's, in a way, almost too many options. There are things that I want to try, but it doesn't give you enough gameplay to kind of um, give them a try. Yeah, the, um, the, the, the cutscene to gameplay ratio in this game is very skewed. <laughs> yeah, I, I still say that the gameplay wins out um, just about, but it is it's very close and... The problem, the problem really, is that most of the gameplay is confined to Act One and Act Two. Yes. Um, and Act Three is an interesting one because uh, now I, I'd, I'd never really thought about this, but um, watching, I, I've got a special version of MGS Four, and it came with a, a documentary which was made by Kojima Productions, and with M, with um, Act Three, it was. Kojima trying to present a completely new style of gameplay. Do you just want to explain uh, what Act 3 is very briefly? Yeah, so Act 3 is set in Europe. It's based on Prague and it's kind of a very film noir um, look to it. And basically you're trying to find the Resistance hideout. And what you have to do is you have to follow a Resistance member um, through several areas and bypass guards and... um, there are certain set pieces in there as well that, that are quite nice. It's very Casablanca. And yeah, it's so so they were trying to present this completely different style, something completely new to the MGS series. So you can kind of understand it from that perspective. Now, the problem is, for most first-time players, especially if you're accustomed to the old MGS gameplay, it, it, it there's, there's no natural way of um, getting into that style of gameplay. 
So, so you want to you want to knock out the resistance member and drag them there. You can't do that. It's all there are some rigid rules to this that yeah. don't quite align with the rest of the game. So I think that takes some getting past. Now, I didn't enjoy it that much on my first playthrough this time. On my second playthrough, um, I found a shortcut that you can uh, you can take out one of the guards early and then the resistance member diverts there so you can cut off the whole park area. So that's quite nice. And the other thing is if you wear certain camouflage, um, you can make it so all the PMC guards that fill the level won't attack you which, so which the only person you that's w- out of interest well you can use you, you just use the coat yeah um, which is your, your standard thing but you put on any face camo that's not young snake oh. or old snake so like so you, one of the beauties or Otacon or Raiden or... I'm using Otacon at the moment yeah Raiden although it looks a bit odd having Raiden's yeah. helmeted <laughs> head on that body so I'm using Otacon at the moment and they pay literally no attention to you you can stand in spotlights you can run around and they just leave you alone. Mm, interesting. So if you want a less frustrating way to play it, I'd recommend that way. And there are some skips and some yeah uh, things that you can do to make it a bit more. So this time I'm enjoying it, but last time I wasn't. But I suppose you have to shift your mind to really get into that. Yeah, that's and, the thing. Yeah, and, and, it, and it's a bit counterintuitive. I'm I'm getting lost as to where we are. To, to feel. Yeah, all right. So let's 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 move on. So is it fun to play? Yeah, I think so. When you actually are playing it, like we said, that this game has a very skewed ratio from cutscene to, to gameplay, which is the opposite problem that MGS Five has. And yeah. I imagine that would be a big talking point when we get to that game. Um, but you know, sometimes your your wrestle control from you for the game for upwards of forty five minutes to watch cutscenes, it's it's very cutscene heavy. But when you are playing it, it is. It is fun, and there are particular bits that are like fantastically fun, like when you're controlling Metal Gear Rex from MGS One, fighting Metal Gear Ray from MGS Two, and you're just taking part in this massive mech fight. It's stuff like that that really sets this game apart. There are periods of the game that aren't as fun, but I'd say on the the the, the overall majority of it, yes, this game's fun. I, I think. I honestly think Act One and Act Two are a blast, and. I think in terms of pure gameplay, they're right up there alongside MGS3. Um, I Honestly, I'm looking forward to playing it this evening. Um, I, I love the gameplay of this game. I think they... And I, and, I, and I think it's that balance between the huge levels of MGS5 and those smaller levels of, of MGS1, 2 and 3 um, that really hits the sweet spot for me. Um, yeah, so I think it really is fun to play. And I agree. I fully agree. Some of those cutscenes go on way too long. I think the first cutscenes go on too long is the fight between Vamp and Raiden. In the um, market. Yeah, I think that's the first time that I I kind of get a bit yeah. impatient with it. And then, obviously, the one that everyone talks about is the one on the river. Yeah, the other uh, Yeah, 45 minutes. Now, some of the briefings, you can make a bit more fun because you can control... The small, um, basically, Otacon has created this small. Let's call it a robot thing. It's a metal gear that you can. Uh, yeah, it is. It's a, it's a it's a mini metal gear basically, but you can control it and it's on wheels and you can um, you can use it. You can mess around with it within those briefing sections and you can unlock face camo and you can pick up items. So that's quite fun to do within those briefings. 
So it shows that they're at least aware that people didn't necessarily want to sit through. Yeah. And it gives you ample opportunities to save before big cutscenes happen. It does. But you'll always find yourself caught up sometimes in these huge exposition dumps and you're just thinking, I want to move on. Yeah. Um, so I, I do think it goes too far in that direction. I think they could have pulled it back a bit. I think MGS3 hit that sweet sweet spot, spot between cutscenes and gameplay. Yeah. Um, and I think, from my experience playing MGS5, I think it went too far in the other direction. Um, but, yeah, generally it's fun. What's your favourite move? Just the fact that you can crouch walk. <laughs> Like oh, it's amazing. Yeah, isn't it? it's such a big improvement, and I mean the fact that it took that long for that to be implemented in the game, seeing as Splinter Cell had been doing that since like two thousand and one, or whenever the first Splinter Cell came out. Two thousand two. Yeah, it's it was a, a feature that was really needed, I think, and I think that's probably the best element of the game in terms of the new stuff that you can do. Um, but as well as that, I quite like the fact that when you're aiming your gun, you can kind of leap around and leap to the sides and leap backwards instead of just a, f- a forward roll. Um, so I'd say the movement is is vastly improved in this game from MGS3. I love the... There's a few moves that I love. I love the side, sideways rolls that you can yeah. do. Um, they're a lot of fun. And there's a, there's a thing that you can do if you're, if you're um, lying prone and you're on a ledge. You can lean over that ledge. Yeah, I think that's a really thoughtful move that you would never think of as a player, but actually it's really useful, and it shows that they really did want this gameplay to be, I suppose, the ultimate Metal Gear in terms of gameplay. And the and my favourite move is is probably when you're lying prone and you can just do the sideways rolls. That's just brilliant. Yeah, definitely, those are really cool additions. I think sometimes I just roll around. Yeah. Sometimes I just roll across the map. Another one as well I quite liked is in um, Act Five when you're going through all of these doors and these corridors and those little, little things with the arms that roll around. Yeah. That can, uh, you know, really pull you down and stuff. Um, using the barrel that you get in Act One, getting in the barrel and yeah. then just rolling through them. I mean, you can only do that for a short amount of time before Snake gets out and throws up. But um, I quite like that addition as well. I suppose that's something that I think gets lost in the conversation, the gameplay of MGS4, but also it's really fun. It feels really good to play. Like it feels good to shoot guns. It yeah, feels the gameplay good is good in moves. this game. It's it, it, yeah. it, it feels satisfying to play. Not that any of the other MGS games don't, but this, with the exception of 5, like we say, is the gameplay highlight of the series, I think. I don't know about you, but I find it hard to go back to MGS 1 and 2 after playing 3 and 4 because it's very arcadian and you can just breeze through it. Yeah. I mean, going like back to levels, MGS you can 1... You get through them so quickly. Yeah, well, going back to MGS 1 in general is difficult. It's a fantastic game and I love it. And obviously you had a slightly different experience to me this time around when you played it for the podcast because you played uh, Twin Snakes. Whereas I played the original 1998 PS1 version, um, but yeah, I know I know what you mean. It's hard to go back, and I think that's the case for any game or series where you play the sequels and you're like, oh, okay, I'm going to go back to the originals now, and you're just like, how did I ever cope with this back in the day? Yeah, it's just all these features that kind of make the, the gameplay so so much fun, and they're just all they they just all be stripped out. I'm thinking especially of two. 
but I think yeah, the PS One version of one is you're definitely right about. Um, okay, I, I I kind of briefly nodded at the acts in this game. Um, so we talked about Act Three. So do you want to just give an overview of of what where the acts are set, kind of what you do in them, and yeah, just that. Sure. So so the game is primarily based on tracking down Liquid Ocelot slash Liquid Snake slash Ocelot. Um, to take him out before he can move forward with his plan. So the first act, you get a tip off that he is in the Middle East. So you go to, it's a nondescript Middle Eastern country, isn't it? I don't think it's ever said. It's based on Morocco. Is it? Okay. Um, it's not actually Morocco, no. but it, they went to Morocco to do the research. So a lot of the, like the Advent Palace, yeah. that's based on a real place in Morocco. Okay. So yeah, Act 1 is based in the Middle East um, and you you start the game kind of sneaking through a war zone until you get to um, a big big palace and yeah, the the chapter ends with um, Liquid Liquid Snake escaping. Chapter 2, or Act 2 takes place in the jungle and is obviously a throwback to MGS3 and this is a very open open plan act same as act one act three takes place as we said in eastern europe and you very much get vibes of prague from it i mean i've, I've been to so just just as a note act two is um set in south america and they they south got america. the inspiration for the areas in act two from peru right yeah south america um, Act three is is Prague. I didn't know that it was actually based on Prague until you said it just then. But I went to Prague a couple yeah, of they, years they ago. Yeah, they did research trips to all these places, yeah. and they've um, they took photos and a lot of the textures and stuff you see there are based on them. Yeah, I, I I got the feeling from it. I went to Prague a couple of years ago for a friend's wedding, and it's very much got the vibes of it. So that doesn't shock me. Um, so yeah, Act three is Prague. Act four, which is, I mean, you know that it's my favourite act is taking place in Shadow Moses, the place where MGS1 t- took place. And as much as I've kind of loaded off on the fact that this game is very nostalgia heavy and it really pushes that that vibe, I really love Act 4. Um, it's just, I, I think it's brilliant. It isn't the best gameplay part of the game, but just going back to these places that you went to in 1998 and seeing them in in HD, it is something quite special, and see it all dilapidated, but yeah um, Act 4 is, is Shadow Moses and then Act 5 takes place on Outer Haven which is Liquid's submarine nautical base, which kind of has throwbacks to the big shell from MGS2 I think each, well not each section, but a lot of the the, the acts have throwbacks to, to different parts of the MGS series obviously Act 5 being a throwback to the Big Shell Act 4 obviously Shadow Moses so MGS 1 Act 3 not so much but then Act 2 throwback to MGS 3 and Act 1 again not so much but you know there, there, there are definite threads through the, the acts I think your favourite and least favourite so you've just you just touched on your favourite um, so what's your least favourite I know what the answer is going to be I, you know I would say Chapter 3 but I think it's chapter yeah, five. Ah, oh, okay. No, I've, uh, I've I've misled you there. But yeah, chapter five. Just because there's not very much gameplay to it. You've got about five no. ten minutes at the start where you're trying to infiltrate um, and get past all of the gecko soldiers, 
and then once you're in you've got a boss fight with screaming mantis and then it's a lot of cutscenes, and then you're crawling through a microwave chamber where snakes fall into pieces which is brilliant i love that part of the game i love it i, I love that. and then yeah, love it. you've got the final fight with ocelot so there's minimal minimal gameplay in act five uh which i think means it's it's my least favorite what about your favorite and least favorite i think act one's my favorite i think it's the one that if you if you're talking about the story it's the one that doesn't wreck anything <laughs> yeah and also it's really it presents mgs as you've never seen it and obviously there's lots of gameplay in act one and i just i really appreciate the fact that they do war here better than most other games and it's it feels like it's their first proper stab at it and they just nail it um but i also really love act two i think act two is great but i just think act one edges it least favorite I mean, I think I think you're right. I think it's got to be Act Five in a way because it just has the least gameplay. If Act Five had more gameplay, I think it could probably would be better than Act Three. Yeah. But I think most people say Act Five or Act Three. Yeah, and and Act Four is kind kind of a thing on its own, isn't it? Really, it's yeah. I think Act Four it starts off for the first half is really good, and then it goes off the rails a bit, but um, then it picks it up again towards the end. Yeah, I, I, I'd agree with that. I think Act 4 is... It, it's a beast in and of its own. And obviously, Act 4 was only put in there for fan service. And like I said, I, I know I've slagged off the fan service aspects of this game. But just going back to Shadow Moses and seeing everything dilapidated and falling apart is amazing. Um, if you're I a think it's got a really important role, though, in the game. In that, Well, it's like a theme for Snake, isn't idea. it, really? Like his history is falling apart and his past is falling apart and Shadow Moses is falling into the archipelago. It's, you know, it's falling into the ocean just as snakes falling apart. It's this idea that you can't go back and you you can put snake in the location again, but it's not going to be the same. Yeah. I suppose in the same way that it's not going to be like the first time you played MG. Absolutely. You can't go back. And I think that's a really... I think that's a really powerful message and it really resonates with the themes in this game. Yeah, 100%. It, it's it's a very interesting chapter, I think. Did you know that um, some content was cut? No, for for Act 4? No, oh, well, yeah, Act 4 and Act 3 primarily. Okay. Um, so, Act 3... Act 1 and Act 2 are quite long and Act 3 is really quite short and... There's a bit where you you have the bike chase where it's basically an on on rails shooting segment, and you have the the boss fight with raging um, raven, raging raven, and then you suddenly appear <laughs> coming out of a tunnel by the river. Now originally, apparently, there was supposed to be oh, was a gameplay um, a section, yeah, um, quite a sizable section from what is described. Oh wait, wait, can, um, I, can the, I guess? That because Eve, well, Big Mum is injured. Was it um, taking Eva through the the sewers while she was injured, like at the end of MGS three? Yeah, so it's taking her through the sewers, <laughs> and there's a, there was a lot of dialogue recorded from Otacon, um for that section. Um, I would have welcomed it because actually, generally speaking, I think the gameplay in this game is is done well, and um, I think it could have been interesting. And plus, it just leaps to this cutscene at the end. It doesn't feel quite right, right? So. 
if they'd have done a better job than they did with them, because that's one of the weakest sections in MGS3, yeah. in my opinion. Um, I never like escort stuff, but I would have welcomed it here because Act 3 does feel a bit light on gameplay. Yeah, it is. Um, to me. And I, I suppose the thing that always bothers me about Act 3 is it's, it's actually a really cool setting, but it just feels underutilised. Like having this film noir style Prague setting in an MGS game. It's interesting. It's it's completely new, but they just it just doesn't feel like they've mined it properly. But that explains it. They got this. And apparently, there was also a section on the waterfront um, that was taken out, which could have been very interesting because again, they've created this really elaborate, detailed setting for a cutscene with all these buildings around and the river and the bridges. But you you never get to play in it. No, it's just there, just, isn't it? It's like a tease. It's just yeah, yeah really. Yeah annoying in a way yeah and um for act four um apparently there was a part where you could go around the lake which i suppose there's a lake there that you can go around and you you'd you'd um, fight some geckos there and you'd also go to the commander's office where you fought Mantis. yeah that'd be cool which is a whole part that they've cut out of apparently originally it was supposed to be that the whole of shadow moses would be accessible um accessible which would, would have been awesome yeah that would have been um that would have been special because uh, you do notice the bits where they've there, there are doors that they say which you can never go through in the original game which cut off huge parts of the base yeah. so yeah i'd have liked that as well so yeah i can't help but wonder what they'd have been like that's interesting to me um bosses um so why don't you give an overview of some of the bosses in this game yeah, you and me have discussed this previously that I think you and me both agree that this is the the weakest boss lineup in the MGS series, I think, other than MGS. I don't 5. think it's the weakest. Okay. I yeah, I don't I don't think it's the weakest. I think I think one is easily the strongest yeah. and I think the other ones can take or leave. I mean, I I really like some of the ones from MGS three, but I really can't stand other ones from MGS three, so mm. That kind of levels out, and um, MGS two. I mean, it's just Fat Man and yeah. Fortune, isn't it? Really, yeah, and vamp. vamp. I think for for MGS four, you've got they're called the Beauty and the Beast um, core, and they are women that have incredibly traumatic backstories that get told to you after you've defeated them. So it doesn't feel like there's any connection or any stakes with them they just kind of show up and give snake grief they're a bit formulaic yeah big time and the first one you've got is uh, laughing octopus which is obviously a um a link between the joy from mgs3 decoy octopus. and decoy octopus from mgs1 you then have raging raven who is a mashup of the fury from mgs3 and then vulcan raven from mgs1 after that, you've got what's her name, uh, Crying Wolf, which is a mashup of the Sorrow from MGS three and Sniper Wolf from MGS one, and then see, I never, I never, I never, I never got any indication from them that they were based on anything from MGS three. I got, I got the impression they were all based on the MGS one ones, um, and 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 the reason I say that is because. Um, What's what's Mantis? Uh, what's yeah? Mantis has got sor- the sorrow. Sorrow doll. Yeah, 
So, yeah, so the, I, the Screaming Mantis is the the only odd one out, really. Um, unless you you compare Screaming with the pain from MGS3. Uh, but I think that would probably be a reach. Um, I feel like it's a bit of a leap to say that they're all linked to the MGS3 one. So definitely, definitely linked to the MGS1. Oh, yeah, 100%. Um, I mean, you only have to think of Crying Wolf from MGS1 for that because you have a sniper fight with Crying Wolf on the snowfield, which is the exact same place you have a sniper fight with Sniper Wolf from MGS1. And her death is very similar to to Sniper Wolf's in that a wolf comes over and, and takes away her body, um, which I think is a little bit ham-fisted, but that, that's something else entirely. Um, but I just think that... There's, there's no backstory to them until you've defeated them, which is given to you by a codec um, by a character called Drebin. And I know that you're a fan of um, some of the backstories and you think they're well written, which is the case for some of them. I think one is. I think I think Crying Wolves is. But I think the others are a bit cliched. Well, yeah, they're just very cliched and they just feel a little bit tacked on. It's just like, well, you, you've had all of these other rogue galleries from the other games and they've got really cool backstories and we wanted to create some really weird except for the pain characters but except for the pain and well yeah uh, the fear but they just feel have no backstory yeah i just find them disappointing like the 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 boss fights themselves are all right i think i like the boss i I like they're really good yeah particularly the one with um i mean raging raven is just a shooting gallery but i I like raging raven because i just like the setting of that that tower i think and that you can climb to the top well i think the two standouts are um, Screaming Mantis. I like the fact that you Not have to use the the nano marine uh, nano machine syringe to isolate your nano machine, so you can actually fight her. And then Crying Wolf, I think, is a standout as well. Laughing Octopus, mm, take all. I like Laughing Octopus. I think it's like a horror show. Oh, it is. It is very um, much horror. I think um, you've got this horror music playing in the background. You've got all the deceptions that she does. Um, yeah, I'm a fa- I'm a fan of um, Laughing Octopus. I like Raging Raven. I, um, Screaming Mantis. I don't know. I think that's the weakest one of the four, and I, I quite like Crying Wolf as well. They're, they're interesting to a point, but I think, in my opinion, I think it's the weakest lineup in the series for me. My problem with them is because I, I I think they're far from perfect. I don't mind them having backstory. Like I said, it's a it's a bit better than the non-backstory that we get for some of the characters in um, MGS3. But you didn't have to always defeat them and then have the Drebbing call straight afterwards to tell you about them. That's what makes it formulaic. Yeah. It's like... You're done and now oh, you're expected this to boss. Exactly. And now I'm going to get the backstory and I'm supposed to feel sorry or relate to them, yeah. I, I guess. But my biggest problem with them is they've all got this um, these suits on that make them look too similar. Yes. So they really don't look distinctive. I mean, one thing you can say about the bosses in MGS3 is they all look very distinctive from one another. Yeah. Whereas all of these, all of the beauties could blend together quite easily with the, with, except for the fact that they're based on the bosses in MGS1. That's kind of their only claim to having identity, isn't it? Yeah, 100%. Um, Although I will say that I love the introductory cutscene during Act One where they're introduced, I think that's brilliant. Um, I think then, the introduction, particularly to Laughing Octopus, where she takes that soldier and just crushes him to death in those tentacles, yeah. is horrible. 
she's she's the cruelest one i think yeah awful <laughs> absolutely horrible and and the little mask that she wears in uh, act Turns 2 snake. with with snake's face on i think that's horrible as well and it just doesn't look quite right no. it looks a bit uncanny no, I don't yeah, like it it's, uh... so i think there are some interesting moments with them as with all of the other bosses but i just feel like in a way they should do away with these uh boss groups because well, they do in MGS five. Yeah, and then they but the the, the replacement isn't very satisfying either. No, the replacement is awful. I I really don't like the semi boss fights that are in MGS five. Um what about the other boss fights in this game? Um what do you mean? Like liquid? So you've got Vamp, you've got you've got the Rex and Ray fights. Yeah. I mean you've got arguably the um the unit in Advent Palace that you fight that's sort of considered a boss fight you I get, think um, I think it's quite mixed um, the fight with Vamp is incredibly frustrating um, I hate that you fight. and me knew exactly what to do in that fight you have to get his health down sneak up behind him grab him and inject him with nano machines but it's very fiddly and I went through six rations doing that fight and I know what to do I, I just don't think it's a very interesting fight it's, it's quite frustrating and it's quite tedious and you get to the point where his health doesn't go, doesn't re- recharge anymore as well. Yeah, the the fight which I did between because I couldn't do it. The fight between um, Rex and Ray, I think, is really cool because it's so different to anything that we've had in Metal Gear before. It's it's very much like I say, it's a mech fight and it's really fun, and you just break stuff with these two massive bipedal tanks. And I think because you've been fighting the Metal Gear. Uh, the Metal Gears throughout all the games to actually finally control one is a very cool experience. Again, it's very fan servicey, but I really liked it. And the the final fight with with Liquid, it can be quite a difficult fight, but again, very fan servicey. Um, and I also question the bit just beforehand where Snake falls unconscious after uploading the virus. He wakes up. On top of Otacon just yeah. Amazing. Why is Otacon up there? How did Snake get up there? Why did he just walk away from? Yeah, him? he's like, oh, I'm going to go get a you. doctor. It's like, well, hang on. Why is he on top of this massive like tower on this ship? What? I don't know. <laughs> it's almost as bad as Solidus and Ryder. Yeah, on top of Federal Hall. Um, yeah. But the the fight with Liquid is it is good. It can be frustrating. It is difficult, and you have to really time how you fight. But the fact that the fight goes through all of the different eras of MGS, you, you first fight. Your life bar says Solid Snake and Liquid Snake. Then for MGS2, it's Solid Snake and Liquid Ocelot. MGS3, it's Naked Snake and Ocelot. And then um, for MGS4, it goes to to Old Snake and and Ocelot uh, with with Old Snake's theme in the background. It's it's well done. I really, really love it. Um, I just feel like if you're going to have a face-off between Liquid and Solid Snake at the end... That's the way you do it. It feels epic. It, it, they've developed a whole fighting system for yeah. it. Yeah. Completely different from anything else in the game. And it, not only have they done that, it's a detailed fighting system. Oh, big time. There are things that you can discover that you might not know you can do. There's a whole separate control scheme for it. And I love the way it goes through the stages. I love the fact that these two old men, the only thing they have left is to kill each other. Yeah. That's it. That's all they're there for. And uh, yeah, I, I honestly, for me, that is on the level as same level as 
things like um, the end and the boss in MGS3. I love it. Yeah, it is. Um, I, th- I think it's well done. It's just epic. Yeah, and the the special move that you can get that if Ocelot grabs you, he'll give you a little kiss on the cheek. <laughs> Weird. Shades of the CIA director. Yeah. Oh, man. Oh, dear. Um, and, and Vamp is easily my least favourite boss. Yeah, it sucks. I, just, I, he, 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 I think he's just such a blank character. I didn't like him in NGS 2, and I yeah, don't like him in I, NGS 4, and it's like, oh... Put him out of his pain. It's like no one likes fam. No one cares about this. Yeah, I don't care. And then yeah. Naomi's like, oh. I did question his being there again. Yeah. I, I, that's one of the things that I think he didn't need to be no, there. No, it could have been anyone. It's a bit bit ham fisted. And yeah. there's there's nothing redeeming about that fight. I mean, the the setting is rubbish. It just looks like a warehouse. Very brown. Um it's not that fun to fight. And he's cumbersome. And Immediately and... after that as well, you you want to see what's going on because Raiden and Vamp then fight on top of Metal Gear Rex and arguably Raiden's probably one of the coolest characters in MGS4 and following yeah. MGS2 where I, I hated Raiden. It's a redemption. It, 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 he's a really cool character in this game and you've got a split screen going on where you're trying to take out the suicide geckos from blowing up but at the other side of the screen you've got Raiden and Vamp fighting and you really want to watch what's going on but you can't because yeah, I agree. you're I, focusing on not being blown up. And you could you could argue the same actually, although I love the microwave sequence. Yeah, it's it's very hard to concentrate on both screens. It is. I mean, I don't have four eyes. I can't. No, can't do that. Uh, yeah, so I agree with you. I think I think they were yeah. It, it was them trying to be stylish, but yeah, I think I suppose the only way that you can really watch them properly is to watch someone else play it, and then watch that screen. Yeah, I think so screen. too. We talked a bit about how good this game looks. But what for you makes this game? I suppose, why is this game aged so well in terms of the way it looks? What what about it looks so good nowadays? Well, when when you look back to to games on the PS3 that came out between two thousand and six and two thousand and eight, it's very easy to see the games that have aged well and the games that haven't. And I mean, GTA Four came out in two thousand and eight as well, and I think. I can't remember if we mentioned it in the GTA 4 episode so long ago, but I think GTA 4 still looks all right for its age um, to some extent, although it is very, very grey. And it's very blurry. Yeah. And you can really tell the difference between PS3, early PS3 games and late PS3 games. And you only have to look at the difference between Uncharted 1, which came out in 2007 and Uncharted 3 big difference or the last of us yeah or the last of us which came out in 2013 and the fact that i mean this game mgs4 doesn't look as good as the last of us does but that's because naughty dog are very very good at creating worlds and doing amazing graphics but it's up there i think some of the character models look i mean i i honestly I don't think there's anything more detailed than Snake's character model in anything that I saw on PS3. Uh, his character model is is more detailed than all the other ones, though. Um, but it's so detailed and so well animated, and like the detail on on his moustache and on his all the all the little cells you can see on his suit and the sweat. Yeah, and just the wrinkles on the folds on his skin. <laughs> it sounds weird, but it, it's really incredibly well aged incredibly well i mean this game is begging 
I don't, I don't know if it's ever going to happen, but it's begging for some kind of remaster. Um, you just, I suppose, up the resolution, increase the frame rate, maybe add some, some of the background textures haven't aged quite so well. Um, so maybe increase those. And uh, honestly, it, it would look like current day. Yeah, I think so too. I mean, could you imagine this game on, I mean, I can't imagine it going over to the Xbox because it's, it's always been a PS3 no. exclusive, but could you imagine this game on the PS5? Yeah, you never know though, um, with Konami the way they are now. Well, yeah, apparently uh, you sent me an article the other day and it's been on YouTube a fair bit that there's a potential remake of MGS3 in the pipeline. Yeah, which is very interesting. Um, yeah, so we'll see what happens, maybe one day. Um, I, I still find this, this is one of the only games that is worth only a PS3 for now, in my opinion, um, because most games have shifted over yeah. to PS4, yeah. PS5. Um, and, and the audio, we've not really talked about the audio much. Um, what do you think of the audio in this game, I suppose, in terms of voiceovers, in terms of the soundtrack, well, you, you, the ambient sound? You mentioned something to me the other day that I think is, is a very good point about David Hayter's performance in this game. Um, I love it. I mean, you, you <laughs> keep saying I love yeah, it. Yeah, you, 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 can, you can explain this if you want, because it was your point. So, obviously, you've heard David Hayter record from um mgs1 onwards and you've heard him record naked snake in mgs3 and even that i'd say was a bit different yeah. from um his performances as solid snake. yeah i it was, agree it was a different tone um but here he, he sounds like he's always in pain and i don't think david hater gets enough credit um for me he's a really huge part of metal he gear is metal gear for me and yeah, and, and it really, I said it to you because we were talking about MGS5 and uh, like we said, gameplay-wise, it is, it is it does have the crown for the MGS series. I really find it hard in the same way with Splinter Cell and um, my client side. I, f I find it really hard to get over the fact that David Hayter isn't doing the voice. Um, maybe that makes me <laughs> a bit rigid and set in my ways, but... I think his performance here is brilliant. And the fact that he's, when he recorded this, he must have been in his early 40s. He sounded like he was in pain. And Snake speaks less here, but in, in, a, in, a, in a realistic way than he, than he ever has. And uh, yeah, I just think it's really, really well done. And then on, on the flip side, you can hear some of the people that played the original characters in MGS1, um, they've obviously gotten older and their voices have aged. I can hear it in Meryl's voice. She doesn't sound like the age that she appears on screen. She sounds older than that. And that, I find, detracts a bit. But generally speaking, the voice acting is excellent. The, 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 the um, one voice that I, I couldn't get on with was Liquid Ocelot's voice. I don't know why. What, when he was doing... Is that when he's doing the English accent? Just all of it. It just sounded cartoonishly villainous. Um, yeah, I suppose it's always been... Uh, maybe after... Um, I've heard this criticism a lot, and I think I agree with it. After MGS3, where Ocelot is really fleshed out, yeah. it's a bit of a shame to see him take a step back, and that's what he does. Well, I'll, I'll be interested to see our conversation about Ocelot in... Um, in MGS5 oh. because I think yeah. it's Troy Baker that voices him in MGS5 and yeah. um, Nerd Cubed made a really good point about Ocelot from MGS5 where he's like 
it just doesn't feel like it's him in this game because it's like Ocelot has always been a bit of a psychopath, and in yeah. MGS Five, he's just he's just kind of there. He he doesn't really have a personality, and he's just there on the radio occasionally, and it just doesn't feel like him. But that that's I think that's an in depth conversation for the MGS Five episode because yeah. a lot of the characters just feel like they're not themselves in that game. Um, you know, from from Miller to to, to Ocelot, but. That's a conversation for another day. But I mean, the rest of the sound, uh, the music in this game is fantastic. I love a lot of the, the the re, the kind of the recuts of different pieces of music from MGS One that are in um, Act Four of MGS Four, particularly when you're in the furnace. Um, I think they they do a really good job of that. And the main theme of the game, um, I really like as well. Like I mentioned, when you're fighting Ocelot. Um, yeah, that final stage of the fight where you've basically won it but you're still in control and you've got that music playing and they're just literally two old men slugging yeah. each other until one dies it's, it's you you couldn't you couldn't make this stuff up it's just well someone did make well, it yeah. up but yeah. you couldn't write it but, <laughs> but you know you what could. i mean it's it's just it's it's just one of those moments the, to me in a in a way mgs4 is a game about some really fantastic moments and that's one of them um and yeah that the score I mean, I I think this is Harry Gregson Williams is best. I think he's um, got a chance to really. I mean, MGS three was a lot of ambient sound, and then they had some really good score uh, during moments. But here, there's just a lot of variation to it as well, um, ups and downs, and high pace, low tempo, um, acoustic, and all sorts. And it's great. It, without this soundtrack, it wouldn't be anywhere near as good. Yeah, it it really it really makes the game i think the music and we we say that about a lot of soundtracks on on games on this list um but this is definitely a standout i think i never used to like the music uh, like the old snake theme but i think it's grown on me as i've got older it's very subtle yes yeah so it kind of yeah it's just yeah it's very subtle and just yeah i think it really fits the rhythm of his character and 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 you said to me as well this is probably going on a bit of a different tangent but you said to me as well that you really appreciated the dialogue between him and big mama um towards the end and i and i think that's really good as well and a lot of this is to do with is telling the story of this old man who's facing his mortality that's the story that i'm interested yeah. in in mgs4 that's the story that they do well you're there for the and story of snake yeah and all the other stuff can get lost really <laughs> so question of the week if a director's cut of MGS4 was released, what three changes would you make? Get rid of the moustache. Get rid of it. I hate it. And replace replace it with what? Nothing. Just a, a clean shave. A Van Dyke? Huh? A Van Dyke. Just just no moustache. No facial hair for Snake. He doesn't need it. it it's the, I hate the moustache so much. I can't get over it. Um... God, I hate it. Um, Do you know what makes it worse, though, when he's burnt after Yeah, that? he's got a burnt face. And why didn't his moustache get burnt off? Ridiculous. <laughs> get rid of it. Stupid. Looks like a weird old Tom Selleck. So you got the moustache. We've got the moustache. We don't like the moustache. Get rid of that moustache. Um, I think increase the gameplay in Act 5. And my last change would be cut out all of the stuff with Marilyn Johnny because it's stupid and I hate it. Those would be my three changes. 
Um, well, my 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 first change is cutting Johnny entirely. I don't I don't mind Meryl. I think there are some nice moments between her and Snake. Yeah, and I think actually the last time well the last time they really have a one to one conversation is in Europe, and she's really brutal with him, and they never really reconcile after that, and that hurts as the player, but it should hurt, and that's the way that life is. Maybe you don't get to reconcile with everyone. And he's an old dying man and he's not there to make friends. So I thought, actually, that's a really nice moment. But yeah, Johnny, who is introduced as comic relief and really doesn't do anything to endear himself. And he's he's about to ask Meryl to marry him, but he's <laughs> trying, to, <laughs> trying to grab Mailing's ass. Yeah, I, I mentioned that to you when I was watching the Act 5 briefing and he's just sat there. And she walks past, and he just tries to grabs her ass, and it's like, what are you doing? And for those people that say he's like a young snake, he's not like a young snake. I think I think it was primarily on the look, wise, his his face aside, and the love interest yeah. aspect of him. I get I get that, but personality wise, he's nothing like snake. No, he's, snake snake is like going the strong side of people's type. asses. Yeah, <laughs> he might be looking, but oh yeah, <laughs> it's ridiculous. Yeah, it's, I, I cut him out and. Honestly, you'd have a better game. Um, second thing is, I said this to you when, when I saw the, the whole thing with Rose marrying Colonel Campbell. There is no reason for that. There is no good reason for that. She married Campbell because she needed to let Ryden do his mission. That was the reasoning that we got. I don't understand. It doesn't make any sense to me. I, it, it's baffling. And... Honestly, you can cut Rose out until the very end with Ryden because I don't think her voice actress is that good. Um, and she doesn't really do, add anything to the game. No, she I, didn't I mean, it. How many times do you call her on your codec? Like, realistically? I called her once. Yeah. <laughs> I, I find that a shame as well. oscon has got some great stuff on the codec, but it doesn't really encourage you to use it as much as in other games. Again, same with MGS5. Um, There's so much that you can just miss because it's all... Um, radio tape, uh, cassette tapes that you can just pick up, and then you have to listen to them in the menu. So much can be missed. And and then your other options for people to call a Rose, and you don't want to call Rose because you don't care. <sighs> yeah, go away, Rose. Yeah. Um, a final thing, thing similar to you, actually, not not quite the same, but I'd say more gameplay in general in the back half. Yes, I would have changed one of the set, or I would have expanded one of the settings. Now, the problem with, you're probably not going to like me saying this, but the problem with going back to Shadow Moses is that you've got established designs that were created, well, 10, year, 10 years ago, but by the time that MGS4 came out. And in order to kind of tick that nostalgia box, you've got to stick with those designs. Yeah. And by this point, they're 10-year-old designs that were built for a different game, whereas you've got all this gameplay. And I'm not saying necessarily Act 4, but... I just feel like there should have been Act 1 and Act 2 are war zones the other three you can't really classify them as war zones no not so. I feel like there should have been an, a, a war zone um, towards the back half of the game and then it would have just been complete in terms of the gameplay but there's not so you've got most of the gameplay in the first half of the game and the second half you've got a lot of cutscenes a lot of variation but you never quite get back to that war zone gameplay which I think is a shame 
Yeah, I, I, I know what you mean. I, I, I can accept that. I think that's a fair comment. And it's and it's not it's not necessarily saying take out Act Four, but I think something at the point of Act Four would have been good, even if they shifted Shadow Moses elsewhere. Yeah, yeah, that's that's fair enough. Like maybe if you had six acts instead of five. Yeah, I mean you've got a massive prologue yeah. at the end, so well, epilogue, epilogue. Sorry. Um. So yeah. Okay. So, Metal Gear Solid Four. Does it to, does it deserve to be on the list? I wasn't sure how I'd feel about it going in. And I think before I started replaying it again for this, I would have said no. But now that I've replayed it, I think it does. And I think it deserves to be on here more than MGS2 does. It's, yeah. It is very flawed. And there's a lot of things about it this is. game that I don't like. And when I compare it to other games in the series, it isn't up there for me. But this time around playing it, now that I'm a bit older, now that I'm trying to appreciate the the smaller details a bit more there's a lot of this game to enjoy and like you said the story of snake's mortality and his overarching theme i think is very well done and very well handled except his mustache which should get in the bin (laughs) but i think there's a lot of this game that if you're willing to bear with it and take it slowly i think you can enjoy so yes i think this game does deserve to be on the list I don't think it deserves to be high. I think it deserves to be in one of the lower positions. I think you said it's number 62, did you? Uh, it's number 74. 74. Okay, 74. Yeah, I think maybe it, it, it's in the right place then. Um, but yeah, I think yes, it does. And I'm surprised at myself for saying that. But yeah. Yeah, I was going to say it's a bit of an, a bit of a, an improvement. Mm. Yeah, I, I, think, so not, I think not for the gameplay as such, but for the storytelling. Yeah, yeah. Although the gameplay is very good. I think it deserves to be here and I suppose anytime you look at the list you've got to look at what else is on the list and I know I'd rather play MGS4 over a lot of the games that we've already played Um, I think like I said I think it does war better than the two Call of Duty games that are on the list and they're they're placed quite highly Um, yes they're different kind of games but MGS4 also offers that if you want it if you want that first person gameplay yeah Um, I just think it's a very, very detailed game. It's got excellent gameplay and it's a game that has a lot of depth. I mean, this has got to be my fourth or fifth time playing it and every single run through has been different. And my my biggest takeaway from this game is I actually do think there's a very special game in there, but I think it's bogged down by a load of bloat. Yes. And... I would strip away that bloat, but I think if they had just focused on what made the game special, which is in there, it could have rivaled MGS3, but it got bogged down in everything. Merrill and Johnny and Colonel Campbell and Rose and all this stuff that doesn't do it any favours. So so it's a shame, really, but um, I, I, I do think... If you look for it, there's a very special game in there, but I think it doesn't necessarily make itself known on the first playthrough. No, you have to look for it. Yeah. So actually, I, for me, I think it should be higher. Um, I don't quite know where. I suppose we'll come to that later on, yeah. but I do think it should be higher. Because I, I, like I said, I'd just rather play it than a lot of other things on this list. Mm. Um But I am. I, I, I do concede, and you've probably got this by now, I am for whatever reason, rather fond of this game. <laughs> yeah. 
um okay what, what have we got coming up next time so next time um we're, we're going back to the whole process of uh, you choosing a game and then me choosing a game and i think yeah i've, I've not chosen one in a, in a while and we both agreed on mgs3 and mgs4 um but next time it's my choice i thought we'd do something a little bit different and it isn't that long ago since we did majora's mask but we it's very different yeah it's very very different kind of game um same series but different kind of game um we're going to do the zelda collection uh which is the original legend of zelda game on the nes and then um legend of zelda 2 adventure of link they're yeah old <laughs> like they're, they're, they're very yeah. old and i've been playing the original over the last few days and they're trying um but it should be an, an interesting episode just because we originally thought that uh, Link's awakening was the oldest game in the list but actually it, it's these two so yeah we discovered yeah we discovered that, that the original legend of zelda was on there and um yeah I, I i can't i'm a big zelda fan but i can't say that i'm excited to play either of them no so it should be uh it'll be a trying episode i'm sure but we're but we'll be open-minded and we'll we'll, we'll, we'll do our yeah best. we're looking to release that next week um and then after that we'll be doing our halloween episode i think i was going to suggest if we give two weeks for this one and then we release the halloween one the week after that. okay that's fine 21st yeah that works out perfectly so so then then the zelda one would come out on the 21st of october and then the um, Halloween one will come out on the 28th right near Halloween that's fine uh, That's all which good. we may as well tell you now because we said it's a Halloween game so um, what we've got coming up for that is a game that surprised us because it suddenly appeared in the list yeah recently um, and, and we think it's because some old reviews were probably discovered for it so it was the game that's on the list is the Dreamcast version of Code Veronica Resident Evil so um, hooray yeah, I think that's a good one for Halloween so glad so glad that i get to play another resident evil game i'm gonna turn the lights off and uh oh well, i mean what else would we do for halloween from this list i don't really know anything else that would fit the bill no i, th- I think it, it's coming to the list at, at the right time i just don't i just don't want to play another resident evil game yeah. but we shall see um but yeah join us next time for uh the zelda collection as always, you can email us at the long and short of it podcast at hotmail.com. You can find us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook if you want to have a conversation or anything else. Um, but yeah, we hope you've enjoyed our episode on MGS4. Um, it's been a bit of a longer one than usual, but it's, uh, it's a long game. So yeah, we look forward to seeing you next time. And in the meantime, take care. Anything else from you? Nope. See you on the Cheerio. next one. Cheerio.